Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, State, from the State of the New York Knicks podcast. On this episode, I had got my guy, Mr. Jonathan Macri, on this podcast episode. And basically, we talked about a couple of things, man. Um, We talked about R.J. Barrett, Frank Nilakina, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson. He gave me some insight on the draft. And he gave me some insight on the Knicks thinking moving forward about... The money losses, uh, the COVID losses, and everything in between. Uh, I appreciate Mr. Macri for joining me on this episode. The whole Knicks film school, um, the Strickland, nothing but Knicks, uh, uh, um, CK2K, uh, uh, Nick Fan TV, uh, Jay Ellis, uh, Legion of Knicks, uh, my God, Freezy. Um, everybody in the chats, all the different Nick podcasts. Uh, um, damn, it's, it, it's just so many. I just wanted to shout y'all all out because I really appreciate all of the work that everybody do. Um, from the Strickland to 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 my God diehard Knicks to my God guard up Nick family, Nick's community pod. Um, Damn, I'm trying to get everybody, bad weather fans, but my guy Alex, the Knicks wall, just everybody, man. I salute everybody on their work. Um, continue working, continue pushing. And I appreciate all of y'all, man. I appreciate all the fans who also listen to my podcast too, man. I, I, and, you know, tune into this episode. Um, when it first started, I ain't going to lie, I was a little nervous. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it was a great episode. And, you know, I appreciate everything, man. So... Tune in. Let's get right into it. Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, State of State of the New York Knicks podcast, episode 115. Got a special guest in the building for the third time on the podcast. My God, Mr. Macri, how is you doing? <laughs> Knicks podcast, GOAT, how is you doing? I'm I'm doing good, man. Um, it feels like it's been a while, but you know we haven't had basketball in a bit, so that makes sense. But uh, thank you for having me on again, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Um, usually, you know, last time we had a long podcast, but this one got to be kind of short. So I had a bunch of notes for you, and I had to try to fit it all into four questions. So <laughs> okay, I miss. I'm gonna see what I could what I could get out of you the most in this these couple next couple of minutes. But um, let's get right into it. Um, the NBA, you know, it's a shortened season next season, 72 games, with eight more divisional play games by the Knicks. So basically, we play divisional opponents eight times, which was rumored, and also the cap revenue has dropped 10 percent to 8.3 billion. Including two hundred million deemed net negative Knicks net negative losses from the NBA this season. I want to know basically what is going to be most effective when it comes to the Knicks as far as drafting because we already got two point guards on the roster with DSJ and Frank Nelikina. Will it affect free agents and affect us trading for Chris Paul the twenty twenty one draft? Because the next season, you know, you got to factor in their uh, contracts. You got to factor in Frank Nelikina, R.J. Barrett, everybody else's contracts. So that draft. And what about free agency for next season? Does it 
like, does it change the Knicks' plans as far as that? So, basically, what does it affect the most? The Knicks drafting, trading for free agents. What what is it going to affect the most? Um, hmm. That's a good question. I think, so, you know, the, here's the, the thing is, there's been obviously a lot of reporting about how much money the league has lost and how much the league um, thinks it's going to lose in the upcoming year. And, and that amount is significant. So, you know, there's this whole trickle down effect of the players are going to need to put money in escrow and they may not get all of that money back. So at the end of the day, you're looking at a situation where in the year ahead, um, you know, someone who is signed to a $10 million contract may only wind up seeing, you know, six or $7 million of that money. Um, yeah, no, sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to say, um, yeah, cause I said, I had, I got a picture on my phone where it said Stephen's Cur- Steph Curry's contract, for example, would go down to 25 million. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Oof. no, it's it's so, you know, you could look at it two ways. It, it, it affects the the higher paid guys more because they're losing more money. But at the same time, the guys who don't make as much and haven't made um, that much over the course of their careers, perhaps they're not losing as much, but they are losing like the, every dollar, I guess, maybe means more to them because they probably haven't made as much over the course of their career. In any case, um, I don't I don't know that it will. I don't know that it will affect how the Knicks draft in terms of like what, like who they draft or what positions they draft. I mean, I, I reported a few days ago that they were looking to buy an extra second round pick. Is that something they're doing more because they feel that, you know, cheap labor is there's going to be a more of a, um, a um, priority premium. Yeah, premium. Thank you. I couldn't get the word out. Um, a premium on, on cheap, on cheap labor. <laughs> Um, over the next couple of years, maybe, um, you know, but I, I'm not sure I'd go that far in terms of trades. I think, well, let me actually hit free agency first in terms of free agency. I don't know, you know, it's impossible for me to say, right? Because on one hand, I, I, let's take it, let's take an average, maybe not an average free agent. Let's take a guy like Joe Harris. He's kind of like, to me, um, someone who he you know he's the right age maybe a little bit older than the right age or even you know what actually let's go even a little bit younger let's go with jeremy grant right so jeremy grant right ish um he just had himself a great playoffs um yes yeah i would think the nuggets want to keep him around um you would think that he will have suitors um there's a you know there's bad teams that want to get better and have money to spend he's a he's a guy i would think that some of those teams would want you know christian woods another name that obviously has been tossed around by Knicks fans for seemingly like forever. Do those guys, would those guys rather sign for one year at more money with the thinking that they'll, the, whatever they sign for, like, let's say Chris, you know, I'm just throwing a number out there that, that this isn't real, but like, let's say Jeremy Grant signs for one year, $25 million, right? Okay, great. He signs for that number. He knows he's only going to end up getting 17 million. And then he reenters the free agent pool next season. Is that his priority to get the most money on one year and then sign a longer term deal next year? Or, or is his priority to be like, all right, 
I'm not going to get as much as is supposed to be coming to me this upcoming year and maybe even the year after that, possibly. So do I want to sign for, for more years to make sure that I lock in whatever I'm going to get, you know, later on down the line? I, I don't, I have no idea the answer to these questions, but I think it's an interesting consideration for these free agents to make. And then on the flip side, does Leon Rose, you know, and, and the free and the front office, do they want to give out, you know, mo- like more than two? I could see them giving out two year contracts. I don't see them giving out more than two years to anybody on this market except for um, Van Fleet. I'm, I'm not reporting that. I just that's that's my assumption. Um, and then trades. Trades is like obviously the biggest question. I'm, uh, you know, in a little bit, I'm going to be getting on with my co-host uh, Jeremy Cohen and recording a whole podcast with him talking specifically about this issue and how big of a market will there be for teams that have players signed to, um, you know, sizable contracts like that want to get off that atrocious. Well, I see, but that's the interesting <laughs> thing though, right? Is because there really aren't that. I, I, this is my second pod, second of three podcasts that I spoke to, J, to JD and Schwinn this morning for the, for the, oh. uh, the Strickland pod. Uh, or, oh, I can't wait. Let's, I can't wait. No, that, to we to had that. a fun conversation. <laughs> but the point that I made there is there really aren't that many of those like truly utter atrocities out there as, as you might think, um, at least maybe compared to a couple of years ago. That Of the three things, I think it'll affect the trade market the most um, for sure. Um, but how how it affects the trade market, I think, remains to be seen. So... This ties into my second question. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm glad you brought up the second round pick thing because I did read a report that it said the Knicks was looking to buy an extra second round pick. So I kind of tied this into DSJ and Frank Nilakina because it was also reported that the Knicks is looking at Kira Lewis at the eighth spot. I right. think they like him. So, for the, I, I, I actually haven't, I haven't reported this yet. Um, I was told by someone recently that that the the noise surrounding his name with the Knicks is is very legit. All right. So since that noise is legit, and then I'm also reading reports about Lamelo Ball just bombing interviews. <laughs> seems seems like he's trying to pull a Eli Manning, and I don't blame him because I wouldn't want to live in Minnesota my damn self. It's too damn cold. So what is your read on the Knicks when it comes to DSJ, Frank Nilakina? Is there any bizarro planet where one of them is the starting point guard next season? And when it comes to this buying second-round picks, um, is that because they're talking about using both of their first-round picks to move up in this draft? I- so, I don't think so. I don't. Right, so right. I'll take it one at a time. I don't. I uh-huh. think they're. Look, you're as an NBA team, you're allowed to send out up to five million dollars in cash every year. I think that's the number, five million dollars. Um, I. I, th- I mean, buying a second round pick this year, if there are teams that are going to sell them, I think that's as good an expenditure of that money as anything. I don't think that has anything to do with the point guard situation specifically um you know whether there's a there are point guards who are looks like they're going to be available in the second round that the knicks 
may like and may be targeting with one of those with with a second round pick that they might want to buy. Like you know, there's Cassius Winston is out there, and Nico Mannion might fall, mm-hmm. and um, Malakoff. He's not going to go that far. Um, but like you know, Grant Riller, if you consider him a point guard, I personally don't. Um, whatever, Peyton Pritchard. He's he's I think a guy that probably is is his stock is rising. Um, yeah, Madar from from Israel. Anyway, there's guys out there. Whether they go for those guys or not, I, I, I don't know. What I can say is that I, my again, my read on the situation is that I don't think Nilakina is necessarily going to factor into the point guard conversation next year. <laughs> and I don't mean to say that is I, I don't think he's going to play. I just think at this point in his career with the team, to me. I think it makes sense that they'll play him more as like a wing. Um, All right. I, again, that's, that's an assumption as much as anything. I I have not heard anything to that effect. That's my guess. Um, Dennis Smith jr. Is there a universe where he could start game one? I, I guess I I just, (laughs) I, you know, it's like, Honestly, I'm not. Into no, it's like I've heard. I've heard. There's. <laughs> I, I've heard so much stuff from so many different places, and none of it's good about his mentality. His, I'm not going to say his work ethic because I think he came in. From what I understand, he came in during the workouts under Tibbs, and he like he was serious about them. He was absolutely serious. He's, you know, I think he's committed, but it's just he's. There's something there that I think is. I, it just doesn't add up for me, and he think. But I, I personally think he still thinks he's the guy that was the number one recruit in the country once upon a time, and things just haven't worked out for him because of bad luck or people haven't believed in him or whatever reason has to do with not Dennis Smith Jr. So is that a guy? I'll say this: the Knicks are certainly not going to bank their season on him as their point guard. That much I could virtually guarantee you. So then that gets us to oh. your the last part of the question, which is, you know, the draft and what they what they do. I think I don't th- I, I, this has been said by many people before before me, but I'll, I'll so I'll kind of echo the general sentiment. I don't think that they have any, you know, necessary desire to come out of the their to let me rephrase that to spend the first pick that they choose in this draft on a point guard. Um, because I think they might trade down. I think maybe they'll trade up. Who knows? I, I I do think that if they if they traded up, it would wind up being a trade for Lamelo Ball. And the, but the only way that I could see that happening is if the price was just so cheap. And I I I don't think they're afraid of bringing him in. Um, even though I, I think that the interview stuff is very real. Um, but I, I just can't imagine they're not, I can't see them paying some exorbitant price to move up to draft them. I just, it, it would shock me. Um, so if you, you know, but he could fall, the price could be very low. And if that happens, it happens. And then to Kira, I, I think they really like Kira. I, I Berman, Mark Berman of the post reported, um, that Killian Hayes is number two on their point guard chart. Um, I, I I still have to think that there's interest in Halliburton. I'd be really surprised if they were not 
if like Hayes was gone and Halliburton was there, I, I would be depending on who else was there. I'd be surprised if they didn't give him a look. Um, but yeah, I think they like Kira, but I think they also like Kira because I think they believe that they could trade down and get Kira, which, you know, if you believe what you read and his name has been associated with the Suns who picked 10th, his name has been associated with the Kings who picked 12th. Um, mm-hmm. and then as a floor, as an absolute floor, I don't think anyone thinks he's going to get past the magic at 15. So, you know, but this is another example and I'm going to sound like a broken record of like Leon Rose is going to kind of see what shakes out and make the, make the play that makes the most sense. So, you know, if there's a trade on the, or like they'll take the best guy, I think if they can't find an opportunity to trade down when they pick and, if like Kira Lewis isn't that guy and Kira Lewis starts to fall and he's there at like 14 and then the Celtics are, you know, call up and like, Hey, we want your guy. We'll, we'll, we'll trade you whatever 14 and 26 or 14 and, you know, Romeo Langford, you know, I think they'd be open to that. I I'm sorry if I'm like being wishy-washy because the fact is that I really do think that he is, he is not, this regime is not committed to coming away with any one guy, whether it's ball Lewis, Chris Paul, like name your guy. It's like they're going to continue to monitor all of these situations and whatever gets them the most value, whatever gets them the most bang for their buck, I think is what they're going to do. Beautiful. Oh my god, no more Steve. <laughs> no, it's right. this is we we we've uh, upgraded just just slightly. All right. <laughs> so next, next question before I get into this real quick last question, I'm going to let you get out of here. Um RJ Barrett is they're basically saying he's top priority for the Knicks. A lot of people don't really like R.J. Barrett. My cousin told me to my face the other day, the Knicks need to just trade R.J. Well, Barrett. Silly. I'm a, uh, it's very silly, but I'm against it. But a lot of people see him as a Robin. Me, I see him as a Green Lantern. I don't see him as a Batman. I don't see him as a Robin. I see him as a guy that stands next to the guy. So... Gunny ahead, knowing the Knicks draft history the past 20 years, do you honestly think they're going to trade up for LaMelo? Do you also think, the second part of this question is, do you think the Knicks finally do what I've been begging them to do all last season and is put the ball in RJ hands? Basically, you're the guy. Yeah, um, so let's take it one at a time. I think I think RJ needs to have the ball in his hands more this year to figure out what like how much what does the offense look like when he shoulders it because Fisdale came out of the gate and gave him a ton of responsibility um to start last year in a situation which was the furthest thing that w- could be ideal for a young player um, especially a young player with RJ's issues. And it did not go well at all. Um, and nope. then Mike Miller pretty quickly pulled pulled back the reins and took the ball out of his hands. And if you look at his usage rate and his assist and all that, like it went it, it went, you know, down pretty pretty significantly under under Miller. Um and you know, and, and that maybe was for the I don't it's funny. The team looked better, and the team functioned better, and they and they played better, and all of that. I, I don't I don't know that 
that was necessarily better for RJ's development because mm-hmm. we didn't get to see how he would grow in that role. But at the same time, you could argue, well, with the team they put together last year, was there going to be any situation that was was you know ripe for him to be successful? So you know, maybe it was for the best. Whatever they need, I do think they need to put the ball in his hands more this year, and I think it's important when they get the the a point guard for this team and and this is why like I'm a big fan of LaMelo Ball well let me rephrase that I'm a big fan of his game um I think he's has the highest ceiling of anybody in the draft I think he is he's been number 1 on my board the whole way he's still number 1 on my board um I he if he's if he's the pick he's going to have the I I shouldn't say if he's the pick if they if they end up with him on draft night He's going to have the ball in his hands so much next year. Um, and, it, you know, that's going to be tough because he's – well, <laughs> but, but part of why I think teams are souring on him is because he, you know, he thinks his shit doesn't stink. He's never been told no. He's never been told, like, he's never been reined in. You know, that's what happens when you, I guess, grow up in that family. But now he's yep. here, and now he's going to be an NBA player, and he's going to be picked pretty high. And – I, you know, we'll, we'll see if that, I don't, you know, that partnership would, would make me nervous as much as it would have the highest upside. Um, a guy like Kyra Lewis is, I think, a lot better because Kyra has, you know, he can run the show, but he's also not an engine and he, that's not his role. And I think he would defer to RJ a little bit more and he also provides some shooting. Um, and I think you could make the same argument. I think a, a really interesting fit. Um, well, there are a couple interesting fits, but yeah, I mean, again, a guy like Halliburton, right? Halliburton is not the, I think the issue that many Nick fans have with him is he's like, well, he's not the point guard w- w- that we need because he can't t- break down a defense. And if he's out there and it's RJ and like, we don't have anybody who could break down a defense. Like that's, that's very fair. Um, but if they had that, and then I always come back to the same question. It's like, well, are we building this team for this year or are we building this team for the long term? And it's like the guy who's going to be able to break down defenses and like other than maybe LaMelo Ball, like that dude's not in this draft, I don't think. I like even Killian Hayes. People love Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes like is not – he's not that dude. I, I don't see that. Maybe I mean, look, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. And and he's number two on my board, so it's like I, I'm, but I just don't think that's this type of draft. I think the guy that they're gonna get, who's gonna be the Batman, they're not getting him this offseason. Whether you're talking about the draft, trade, free agency, like he's not coming. So, how important is it to to you know focus on this year? But then it gets back to like, what's the one thing that they absolutely need to do this year? I said this last week on my podcast. They need to look competent. They need to look good. They can't go out there and positively suck. So then the question becomes, you know, obviously $64,000 question. How can they make, how can Tibbs make, you know, chicken shit out of chicken, chicken or chicken salad out of chicken shit? Um, And I don't, (laughs) I don't know that there's a real great answer to that question, which is why we always come back to the same thing. Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul is the easiest way to just get all your ducks in order and be in a situation where it's like you're going to be good. Everybody's in their role. You could draft whoever the hell you want and not worry about them taking on too much or too little responsibility. It's like Chris Paul does that for you. He puts everything else in order, Um, which for all the reasons maybe not to to trade for Chris Paul, like that's a 
you know, that's a big one to to trade for him. So yeah. that's um yeah, I, I again I'm so these are all very convoluted answers because it's I've I've now it's like eight months that I've been thinking about all this stuff and it's all jumbled together in there, which is just I want to get to draft night. I want to see what they do. <laughs> yeah, me too. It, I, I'm itching for draft night. All right. Last question I'm gonna, sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you out of here. Um it's about the last two kids, man. And and I'm kind of scared for both of them, but individual reasons. First, Mitchell Robinson. Um, we can offer him a four year, I believe. You he could do he could do four was... for, for about fifty, um, which it could get up to a little bit higher with a signing bonus um this offseason. Yeah. So, so we both know damn well he's not accepting that. So since he's not going to accept that this offseason, what what is your read on Mitchell Robinson as far as what is the Knicks going to be doing with him next season? Um, will it, uh, like is will they ever? Is there any type of trade that even consider when it comes to Mitchell Robinson in this draft? Um, and also Kevin Knox, I hear all the scuttlebutt about Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox is being placed in every trade known to man. Um, what is your, do you have an inside take on any positive notes on Kevin Knox and just, what is your take on Knox and his role on the team next season? Because we did pick him with a yeah. high lottery pick, and I would like to see him. Um, I think we all would. Uh, I, you know, Knox is the great unknown. Um, I think he did. I think he progressed on defense last year. I mean, he had nowhere to go but up. Um, his offense took such a. It's, it was so bad. It took, and not that he was great offensively as Oof. a as a first year player, but coming out of his rookie year, you could look at what he did on offense, and you could be like, okay, that's. That's where that dude is supposed to be. It's like, for, uh, even given his draft pick, it's like, yeah, okay. I think he showed enough on offense, at least, to make you think like that dude has an offensive, you know, ceiling that that is worthy of having been picked in a pretty good lottery. And then that just all went by the wayside last year. Um, it, it was staggering. Um, and I think he just, his confidence was shot. Um, it they They just tossed his development you know by the on the side of the road and it was of all the things that i'm mad at what this organization did you know last year that like what they what they did and i'm not saying and listen i'm saying this kevin may not kevin Knox may not be any good i have no idea but that's the problem is we don't know because they didn't give (laughs) they didn't give him any chance to to be good with how they treated him especially like you got to know your personnel and they clearly did not recognize the fact that like that kid needed like to continue to be nurtured in a certain way. I like, I don't know. Maybe some people will hear that and think he's soft or whatever. I, I don't see him as that way. I just think he was like built up to be this, like he was everything in his rookie year. They, they not petition. They like, I don't want to say petition. I'm, I don't want to get in trouble. They were, <laughs> they were really, 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 you know, beating the drum about him making that stupid all rookie game. Um, And he made it. So good for him. It was a meaningless thing, but he made it. And they, you know, and, but that like stuff like that had meaning to Steve Mills and and Scott Perry. Um, And, and they'll deny that. And that's fine. But 
you know, whatever. It is what it is. So, but then to go to go from that to just be like, all right, we're gonna sign all these dudes essentially to block you from playing, and then we're gonna fire the coach who by all by all accounts was the reason that he got picked where he did. And I'm not saying they should have kept Fisdale aboard, but like they did that too. And then they were, you know, they were playing him like 10, 12 minutes a game. Um, oh my goodness. DMPs for Reggie Bullock. It was, it was oh just, it's, it's, it's not what you want. It's, it's not how to develop talent. And, and now we're sitting here two years and you're asking me like, and my answer is I have no idea. Um, I do think he'll work well with, with uh, Tibbs. Um, I'm excited. I think Mitchell Robinson is the guy that I'm, I'm, I think I may have had different versions of this answer over the course of the last eight months. Cause again, it's been so long, but I think I'm most excited to see Mitch under Tibbs just because I think he's going to be really good. Um, and I think he's going to anchor the defense and I think he has it in him. You know, I think he's immature. I think he's young, but I don't think he's immature in the ways that like Dennis Jr. is immature. I think he's like, you know, 21 going on 12 in terms of just kind of like his mentality, but he's a good, he's a good kid. He cares. Yeah. He wants to, and he really do think he wants to be great. Um, and I think he has the ability to be great. Um, so no, I don't think they're looking to trade him. I, I don't think he's untouchable. I don't think anyone on this roster is untouchable, but I would be, I would be very surprised if they moved him like, I would be very surprised if they moved him before the season. I, once the season starts, I mean, like, who knows what, what happens once the season gets started. But I just don't see that. I don't think they're scared off by the next contract. I mean, I have not heard anything to that effect. Um, You know, we'll oh, see. But at, but at the same time, like, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to pay that dude. I, if Personally, if I was him, I would – have and I again I did not think that this was something that he would ever consider at, at you know during the season but now that I'm looking at it if if the Knicks offered him the four-year extension at the most money they could offer him, it to him you know with um you know with the signing bonus which would bring up the the average annual value I think I think it would bring it close to like 15 million dollars a year I think um that's you know and the other part about that is that could start not this season, but it would start the following year. So you're making like the Knicks could technically keep him aboard for that minimum and then make him an, and then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. They don't, they don't have to make him restricted, a restricted free agent next year. I think they probably will. Um, you know, and maybe here's the thing that hasn't been talked about yet. And probably I should, I'll, I'll close with this um, with the, with the state of the league's mm-hmm. finances and where teams are and and what they're spending, what they're comfortable spending money on. I think the Knicks are in a good spot in with Mitch's restricted free agency a year from now or whatever it ends up being, you know, six, seven months from now. Um, Cause I'm not sure who's coming in and blowing him away with some insane, you know, offer sheet. Um, so from that perspective, maybe it does make sense for them even to not to hold off on offering an extension, but I don't know. I, I, I would hope that they would at least talk and see where both sides are at, but we haven't heard anything to that effect. So that's it. All right. Well, thank you. Of course. Mr. Macri, once again, third time on the pod, I appreciate you coming on the pod. 
Um, you was one of the first people who actually came on the pod. So I appreciate you for everything and all uh, all your podcasts that you put out. Trust me, I listen to each and every one of them. Tell the people um, what's the next few things that you got coming out and, you know, um, where they can find you at. Sure. Uh, what do I have coming out? Well, um, I have my podcast, the Knicks Film School podcast, which you could find um, anywhere podcasts are found. Just put Knicks Film School in your search term. And then uh, I have my daily newsletter, which I'll actually have. Um, so I, I get when are you dropping this on on Monday. OK, so uh, by yep. the time you hear this, uh, whoever hears it, I'll have some news that I'm going to drop in my newsletter, which um, just go to my. Go to my Twitter page. Um, it's what am I? JC Macri MBA. And uh, you can click right there on the link for it's a Substack uh, newsletter. And um, yeah, I write that, you know, five days a week. So check it out. And uh, thank you again for having me on. It's always fun to talk to you, man. All right. Fun talking to you too, Mr. Macri. The podcast, Nick's Goat. I'm out of here, Nick's Nation. Love y'all.